What's up, you guys? I'm Anya. And I'm Kylie. And this is Two Degrees Hotter, the postgrad podcast where we get real about life after college every Tuesday. Hey, everyone. Happy Tuesday. Welcome to another episode of Two Degrees Hotter. Hope you're all having a great week so far. Yes. Hello, hello, hotties. Happy Tuesday. How's your week going? You doing well? Get you're cozy. Not, there's still time to turn it around. It's yeah, only Tuesday. So we have a guest episode for you this week. And I feel yes. like it's been a hot minute. I don't know if this is like the longest we've gone between guest episodes. I would want to check. But it's definitely been like at least maybe five weeks, which is longer than we normally go. But that's okay because yeah. we're coming to you with a bang. And that bang is Kennedy Meehan, who mm-hmm. founded the Azure Agency. And so she basically just took a bad situation of graduating into a pandemic, not being able to find a job, and turned it into a good one because she started her own agency, became her own boss. And so she runs basically a digital marketing firm, which is amazing. She works with all sorts of small businesses and really wants to focus on working with female founders, which we love, obviously. So it was a great conversation. Yeah. So if you are interested in starting your own business, curious what goes into starting your own business, or just want like a really raw and honest take on being an entrepreneur, especially in, you know, these trying COVID times, then you'll definitely want to stay tuned for the interview. Yes. And I'm glad you brought up kind of like the raw and realness of it because I think this was one of the more like authentic interviews. Mm -hmm. I mean, I think all of the guests we've had on the show are like super honest and authentic, but I think we talk about authenticity itself a lot in this episode, which was really interesting to dive into. And just like how a lot of people have a romanticized view of what being an entrepreneur is and like how there is a very real side to it that's not easy. So yeah, I think you guys are going to love it. So make sure you stick around. But before we do that, let's jump into our favorites. Oh, nope. Let's jump into our segments. (laughs) Are you new here? (laughs) Let's jump into our segment starting with the week in review. So for my week in review, I feel like I've had a lot of busy weekends lately, which I really Mm -hmm. like, but I feel like I'm like planning a lot for the weekends and I'm doing like nothing but boring kind of responsibilities during the week. Mm -hmm. And I feel like that makes it so that I'm very much living for the weekends. Like that saying has been absolutely me. And it's not necessarily because I'm like super unhappy during the week, but I think I'm just not, I'm not giving myself anything to look forward to, I guess. And so I'm kind of trying to, I'm trying on this new philosophy, which is like, don't wait for the weekend to like have fun or enjoy yourself. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, Because I don't know, I don't think that like, a necessarily like a societal thing, but I do think there is some semblance of like the week is to be responsible and the weekend is when you have fun. Like there's yeah. kind of like that that structure there. Um, but I'm trying to challenge that. So the other oh, day yeah. I made plans on a Monday. Like I went to like a wine bar on a Monday and the whole time I was Ooh. there, I was just amazed at how many other people were there. <laughs> and I kept <laughs> saying it to my friend, my friend Magenta that I met and I was like, I can't believe this many people are like doing stuff on a Monday. And then I was like, oh my God, why not? Like, why don't we do stuff on Mondays? Like all these people are out enjoying themselves. And like, just because it's like a prescribed certain day of the week does not mean that I can't like make plans or like, I don't know, just kind of interesting. Cause I feel like I like will like fill my weekends and like exhaust myself because I feel like it's the only time I have to enjoy myself when that's not true. I'm just not leveraging my weeks the same way I'm leveraging my weekends, even if it's like simple stuff. Like the other day yeah. I like got to the area that I, uh, my dance company rehearses too early and I like got myself dig, dig in. If you guys know, if you know, you know, it's like the best fast casual. And I sat outside and it was like, it was great. And I was like, why don't I like have more fun during the week? So <laughs> anyway, that's my, that's my spiel. <laughs> you should check out, there's a podcast called fun on the weekdays. I think. Oh, that sounds uh, very much like the concept I was trying it's to get up. <laughs> exactly the concept. I haven't listened to it personally, but from my understanding, people seem to really like it. So you should look into that. Um, but for my weekend review, I just want to like kind of call myself out a little bit in the name of growth. Um, okay. Go for it. So 
I have a really bad habit of like getting discouraged and wanting to quit things when I'm not immediately good at it, which is like kind of a scary thing to admit to myself because it's definitely not a good trait to have. Like it's a hundred, like number one, you're just not going to make any progress because realistically you're good at very few things when you first start out. Like there's a learning curve to everything. And two, like Miss Ego, maybe like cool it for a second. You don't need to be freaking perfect and on it all the time. Like I know like part of it is just me feeling like, oh my God, like why aren't I like good at stuff? Like, I don't know. I don't know if I'm making any sense at all. I could be making no sense. That could be fun. No, you're making sense. It's like gifted child syndrome, you know? But I wasn't even a gifted child. So I'm like, (laughs) where is this coming from? (laughs) I'm like, why am I like, and I'm like, am I always like, I mean, I definitely wasn't a gifted child. But I've always been good at, like, school and things like that. No, that's what I mean. That's, like, what being a gifted child is, right? Well, I think a gifted child is, like... you're just innately good at stuff. I guess. I don't know, guys. (laughs) Okay, I'm going to call my therapist after this. Anyways. (laughs) I'm like, mm, child. Anyways. (laughs) Um, So, yeah. So, I need to, like, sort that out. But it's, like, not a good quality to have. I was texting Anya because I like got really discouraged because I've been trying to post more seriously on my Instagram and like I posted um reels a couple of days in a row and they were just getting horrible views which like isn't even me not being good at stuff like it's just the algorithm. That's what I was gonna that's what I was saying like it's like just out of your control yeah. and also you were like actually three days into this venture. And I was, exactly like, exactly And, like, I, like, left that conversation, not because of anything that you did, but I left that conversation, like, borderline embarrassed because I was, like, wait a second. Like, why am I so, like, oh, my God, if I'm not immediately good at this, like, it's not worth it. Like, that's freaking ridiculous. That's such a ridiculous mindset to have. And I don't know what fostered this so much in me. And I even texted Anya at the end of that conversation. And I was, like, I think the fact that I'm, like, so worked up about this and, like, so worried about this means that like I really should be doing it because it will be like a lesson in patience and understanding that like good things things take time time. (laughs) I'm like jinx like it's crazy I'm just like hey what trauma did I go through that like made this happen I don't understand so I'm gonna work that out with my therapist um I will say though like in general with the Instagram I think me and everyone else have been impressed with just like how much content you managed to produce in such a short amount of time. Like you said that you were actually doing this one day and then like four days later, you'd already done like three different photo shoots. And I was like, excuse me? And like by yourself. (laughs) So I think obviously like you care enough about doing this. You have like all the right things going. It's just a matter of like, it literally just takes time for like the platforms to like do any favors, which like sucks, but it's true. And that's just like how it is when you're building a business relying on like other entities you know what I mean like you just just take yeah. some time so exactly so I need to freaking cool it <laughs> relax <laughs> <In> conclusion <laughs> and I found an affirmation that I'm gonna start saying to myself uh because it I saw it on TikTok and it really resonated with me so I'll share it it was I no longer hold myself back by making excuses and negative self-talk I no longer I no longer stand in the way of my growth and I'm just like Kylie, guess what? You're standing in the way of your growth, bestie. Stop doing mm. that. Get out the freaking way. So that's what I'll leave you guys with. I'm not – I'm, like, low-key embarrassed to be sharing this because I just feel like it's such, like, a – it's a genuine flaw in myself that I'm, like, I need to work on that because that's freaking ridiculous to have that mindset. So keep you posted. <laughs> but I think it would be, like, more of a flaw and more embarrassing if, like, you let that fierce, like – stop you like if you actually like were three days in and you're like it's not working and you just gave up like I think the fact that you're not giving up says a lot so yeah well you did have to walk me or talk me off the ledge a little bit (laughs) I'm like just a day in the life it's fine (laughs) yeah just it's totally fine just another day you know (laughs) um okay let's move into our favorites for real this time So I just opened my drawer because I wanted to get the actual name of my favorite this time. And I feel like this is a circa 2011 OG Mm. YouTube guru favorite. 
at wow. least the YouTube gurus that I was on. Sure. And it recently resurfaced in my life and I just had to share. So it is the Smith's Rosebud Salve. If you guys remember, it comes in like the little navy kind of tin. And um, it's literally just like a lip balm or like a, like a salve. You don't even have to use it on your lips necessarily. You can use it like anywhere on your skin. So if I have like a super dry patch on like my hands or something, you can use it. Um, but they sell this in like the like Ulta checkout, kind of like Sephora checkout area from like what I've seen. And um, it reminds me a lot, dare I say, a dupe. <laughs> like not me, a guru. Um, it reminds me a lot of the Glossier rosebomb.com and they're not that different in price like i want to say this is seven dollars and the bomb.com is like 13 or something like that so it's not that crazy but obviously the glossy eye stuff you just have to like wait for like it's a little less accessible so if you want a good rose tinted and like scented lip balm now i recommend although i will say so it comes in the tin and like a regular more traditional like lip gloss tube and I went back and forth. They cost the same, but I went back and forth for a while. And I was like, you know what? I want to get the tin, like make it a real OG experience. Yeah. And the tin has been a little annoying. Like it gets a little stuck sometimes, like if, mm. especially if like maybe you have lotion on. Because I always like put on my face lotion and then go to get lip balm like for the night. And it, it's like impossible to open. Yeah. So I would recommend the tube, especially just like with COVID and everything. Like I, I kind of yeah. thought of it after. Like I was like, oh, I don't really love that. I have to like put my fingers in this. I mean, I'm normally yeah. home, but you know what I mean. So, um, but yeah, I've really been liking it. So if you want a little nice. Glossier dupe at your local cosmetic store, yeah, run, <laughs> run, don't walk. <laughs> um, for my favorite this week, I just need to tell y'all about my new thrifted blazers. So I feel like oversized blazers are the moment. They kind of have been the moment, like. Oversized blazers have been in for a really long time because Haley Bieber walks this earth. Um, she walked so that the rest of us could run <laughs> with our oversized blazers. Um, so my favorite place to get blazers is thrift stores. I feel like a lot of the time they have either men's blazers or just like women's blazers in larger sizes that can really get you that look for a lot less than what stores will charge you, especially because they're trending right now. So I went to a Savers with this goal in mind of finding a couple of oversized blazers and man, did they not disappoint. I swear to God, I hit the mother load. So I got this like black and like tan houndstooth oversized blazer, which I'm like, what an iconic moment because I do in fact own black and brown leather pants. And I'm like, Miss Blazer, you go with both of them. That's freaking incredible. Like, I love that for me. So I got that one. That one was like $12, I think, but it's Ralph Lauren. So I'm like, $12 for a Ralph Lauren blazer. That's not too bad. And then I found an oversized like pink colored one, which is honestly my least favorite as far as like fit goes. I definitely need to like maneuver it a little bit once I style it, but it was $3.50. Like That's like surprising because I feel like Savers is like one of the bougier not like it's not Agreed. great it's not like a it's not like a curated thing but it's like one of the more expensive thrift stores so agreed so wow. when i saw the tag i was like even if i wear this literally once not that this isn't a sustainable way of looking but from a cost analysis if i wore it once i'm like economics that's worth it and i'm sure i'll wear it more than once like it's i love it and then i got my baby my precious angel it's a double-breasted black oversized blazer but on me it fits more like a coat and it is like a thicker like coat material and it's black and it has like brass gold buttons on like the three of them to make it double breasted because that's how that works on both sides um and then on the cuffs and it came with extra buttons in case it's they so fall important. off yeah and it was four dollars it was four dollars i think about it every day every single day i wake up and i'm like i can't be sad today because i own that blazer and i got it for four dollars <laughs> i'm so obsessed with it i wore it what like three times in our one weekend away <laughs> yeah like I'm i feel obsessed. like it's also interesting that you had such success going into thrifting with a specific idea in mind i know because if i remember right our queen gabby go listen to that episode our thrifting I queen know. she said that's like the one thing you can't do so I the fact know. that you had success 
And I never go into thrifting with that mindset ever. Mm -hmm. But I do think that, like, some things like blazers or, like, sweaters, like, you're more likely to be successful if you're, like, oh, I just want to get, like, some cozy sweaters for the winter. I wouldn't say go in being, like, I want a Kelly Green sweater. Like, you'll probably be successful. I wasn't super, like, specific. I just was, like, I want oversized blazers. Set the intention. And that's what I got. The universe said oversized blazers. Is that what I heard? Here you go. I comment. Now, if only... We were going to Love on Tour. <laughs> Why would you say I'm sorry. that to me? <laughs> if you know anything about our show, you know Anya and I really prioritize our health, sustainability, and building a community around the things that young women go through. That's why we feel so lucky to have met and interviewed Katie Diosti in 2020, a Gen Z entrepreneur, overall badass, and founder of Viv for Your V, who we are so proud to partner with on this episode. Viv is an earth-friendly period care subscription brand created to bring sustainable and clean products to the hands of menstruators. Something crazy that I personally didn't know is that the average menstrual pad is equal to about four plastic bags and can take up to 800 years to break down. Yeah, and this is a big deal because a menstruator can use anywhere from 5,000 and 15,000 disposable period care products in their cycle's lifetime. And at any time, 800 million menstruators are on their period right now. That's why we feel really great about using Viv's bamboo-based products. Bamboo uses a quarter the amount of water, less land and fertilizers, and is naturally hypoallergenic, breathable, and actually more absorbent than cotton. It's so crazy to know that with every Viv box, you can save 643 pounds of CO2, 607 gallons of water, and 48 plastic bags from entering a landfill. Another problem that Viv is solving for is access to products when you need them the most. I think we can all relate to having that oh shit moment and realizing you're going to have to make a CVS run on top of all the things you're already dealing with. With their subscription-based model, it's so easy to choose how often you want your products delivered and have them on hand so you can conquer more. They have products for every type of period, from pads and liners to tampons and even menstrual cups. Viv totally converted me to a cup user. I love that it's zero waste, reusable, and lasts up to 10 years. Plus, the ring on their cup is a total game changer. You guys have to try it. We personally feel amazing about the way we're treating our bodies, the planet, and supporting a clean, sustainable, and women and minority-owned business all at the same time. Use the code and the link in our bio to shop the Viv website with 20% off, and definitely check out our episode with Katie to learn even more. And now, hotties, back to the episode. (laughs) I shouldn't have said it. I'm upset. Anyway, (laughs) let's get into our interview with Kennedy. All right, so jumping into the interview portion of our episode, we are here with Kennedy Meehan. Did I pronounce that right? I should have asked. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. We are here with Kennedy Meehan. So Kennedy, after graduating from UNC Chapel Hill, began freelancing due to the lack of employment opportunities and public relations uh, from the result of the pandemic. She noticed a gap in the market for agencies servicing small businesses and decided to launch the Azure agency in an effort to help small businesses grow through the power of digital marketing. She's taken her experience working with luxury brands like Marc Jacobs and Pat McGrath Labs and strategized ways that businesses can capitalize on similar strategies on a smaller budget to expand their brand awareness and capitalize on their brand identity through digital marketing. So we are so excited to talk to her. Obviously, she has a lot on her resume that's really interesting. So Kennedy, how are you? I'm amazing. How are you guys? Good, good. good. <laughs> Excited to chat with you today. Um, and yeah, I guess we can just dive right in. Let's yes. do it. So starting with your college experience, could you tell us a little bit about your time at UNC Chapel Hill? Um, what did you major in? Why did you pick that major? Things like that. So I studied um, strategic communications, which is technically my major name, um, which is essentially public relations and advertising combined. Um, it was like a specific track in the journalism school there. Um, and then I minored in studio art, um, but I originally went in as a business major and then took one math class and I was like, I'm never taking math again. Um, <laughs> so I transferred to, to broadcast journalism, realized I did not want to be on a camera and I was like, okay, PR is a safe, safe bet. Um, and so that's what I studied there. And then like the uh, studio art side of things, um, I really like graphic design and all that, but it wasn't really a part of the PR track or anything. So that was how I kind of, you know, delved into the creative side of things. That's super cool. I didn't know about the the art side of it. Um, and I yeah. think you know, what you described with going in thinking you wanted a certain major and then switching and switching again is like such a common thing. And um, it does scare me what you said about math and business because I'm considering getting an MBA one day and I cannot do math to save my life. So that'll be a fun bridge to cross in like five years. (laughs) 
Um, but I'm curious how you describe your experience going to UNC Chapel Hill. I feel like it's a school that I weirdly like hear a lot about, even though we're not from like the area at all. So I'm just like curious to hear more. It's kind of like a big sports school, right? Yeah. So our freshman year, we won the national championship for basketball. Um, and that was, it was huge. Like there aren't many people who can say they like went to a college and experienced that hype. Um, Mm -hmm. so we rushed Franklin street and it was this huge thing. Um, and then, so like basketball was our thing. Football we're like good at now. I wasn't, we weren't always good while I was there, but we've always been a huge basketball school. So I think that's why everybody knows UNC. Um, but other than that, if I had to describe my experience, it would definitely just be transformative. Um, I think I was a completely different person when I started freshman year and by the time I graduated, like I had completely changed my mindset on things, um, you know, due to my professors, the people I met there, the experiences I had there. I think it just completely transformed my outlook on life. Um, I wouldn't say all of my experiences there were like amazing. You know, I loved the educational part of things and the school aspect. Um, I wasn't huge on the people there, but I think that regardless of the experiences, it was just transformative as a whole. Yeah, no, and I think it's good to bring up the fact that like college has both good and bad moments, but overall it's just a really, like you find yourself, it sounds so cliche and cheesy. (laughs) No, but you really do. You completely, you go in as an 18 year old and you leave as an adult getting ready to, you know, go into the real world. And those are like your defining years. So I think no matter what you've gone through, it got you to where you are today. So college is always going to be so super fun all the time. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. Um, So I'm curious, what is something that you're really glad that you did while you were in school? And what is something that you wish you had done while you were in school? Um, So something I'm really glad I did, it's more something I'm glad I didn't do. Um. I didn't rush like I didn't join a sorority and I remember going in I was debating and I'm so glad I didn't um that's just my one thing that when people ask me they're like oh like what did you rush I'm like no and I'm so glad I didn't like I I stayed away from the sorority stuff um I played club lacrosse there so that was like my my group of girls um but then something I wish I did is I don't I don't think there's anything really I wish I did the only thing I wish I did was finish out my senior year and get to do all the senior stuff but COVID so that's only stuff I (laughs) wish I did but other than that I think I I don't really have any like regrets necessarily from college that's the way to do it um and yeah definitely relate on the graduating in 2020 thing still recovering yeah. it's fine <laughs> um, I actually have my like graduation next month on November like 13th or something and I'm like you guys it's literally been over a year and a half like it's I had so far last gone. weekend last week how was we it was it still fun it was you know I was so against going mm-hmm. and I was like no like you're gonna give it to me now like it's two years later like I'm I'm over it at this point and then I went and I'm so glad I did like it was it was an like what an hour and a half long but I saw so many people that I'll probably never see again and that Mm -hmm. I probably wouldn't have seen again hadn't I gone so that's the only aspect like even just seeing people for half a second and being like so what are you doing now? Like, <laughs> yeah. How did you, how did you recover? <laughs> you know? Um, <laughs> but I think it was a really good experience. I like drove down at the crack of dawn and mm. it was like, a, like I wasn't there all weekend or anything. Um, Like I just went for the commencement, but even just being there for like an hour and a half, I was like, oh, like this is home and I'm probably yeah. never going to feel yeah. like this again. So yeah. I know it's kind of interesting for mine because I feel like a lot of people like have not been back to their college town since they graduated Mm -hmm. whereas like I live like I still live in Boston and so like I'm in the northeastern like campus and stuff a lot like just passing through right um 
So I keep saying like, if I didn't live in Boston, I don't know if I would like travel for it, but I feel like everyone that I've talked to said that it was like a good reunion experience. So we'll see how it goes. Um, It'll be a good time. It'll be a good time for sure. And I'm curious, like something on your website, I think, um, is you talk a lot about having internship experiences during school that were like super impactful and um, that you really valued. And so can you tell us a little bit about those and why they were so valuable to you and where you're at now? Yeah. So I had, I think, six different internships during my four years, um, all in completely different fields. So I got a taste of everything. And I don't think I would have been so sure and confident in what I wanted to do leaving college if I hadn't had those experiences in so many different fields. Um, And I know that having six is like a higher number than most people have. And I think a lot of people do tend to stick in one internship, like for, you know, multiple semesters or years. Um, And I was really glad that I had multiple because it gave me a taste of a lot of different things. Um, my one internship specifically in New York City, um, I worked at a PR firm that works with, you know, name, big name brands, beauty brands specifically. Um, and it taught me a lot about how to be in a professional environment. Um, and more specifically, how the PR industry works. I was very adamant about being in the room at all times, even if I had no business being there, just always being present in the conversation. I was present at a lot of events and got to meet a lot of amazing people who are high up in specific industries. And just having that firsthand experience of, you know, I've been here and I know how to talk to these people now. And it built my confidence up that I was meant to be there and, you know, this is a, a field that I want to work in for the rest of my life. Um, so that was the one internship that kind of changed my life um, in a sense, but all of the other ones, and I think internships as a whole are vital to anybody in college because what you learn in class is not how the real world works. And sure, the stuff you learn in class is going to be applicable hopefully, but you need that firsthand experience and real world experience and you need to be there and physically doing the stuff and talking to these people and interacting. And without that, I think you're going to be super lost going into the real world with a any kind of job that you want to do. I'm like, snaps. I love, (laughs) (laughs) I love education. Like being in the real world is so different. Um, And I think, you know, what you said about like class not always necessarily preparing you is so true. And it's also just a way to try on different careers before you have to commit. Like while you still have the chance to like maybe add a major, double major, change your major. Um, So I think it's, that's so smart. And also the fact that you did six, I'm like, literally, when did you even have like the break to do that? (laughs) It was my senior year. I had two, like all year. So I had Mm. two internships and then I also had a job in class. So I mean, I was like, I was grinding (laughs) subtly. Um, but that was like, I knew that that's what I needed to do because I was so stressed about graduating without a job. And you know what? I still graduated without a job and I had six internships. So, you know, life throws at you what, what it does. Amen to that. (laughs) Um, I'm curious, obviously you've had six internships and I feel like I remember being like so afraid to apply for internships or just feeling like I had no idea what to do as like a scared sophomore in college. So with all of your experience with internships, do you have any tips for current college students looking for internships, how they can get their foot in the door at a place they want to intern at or just like basics of the application process? So I would say that the application process is pretty similar for any job or internship you're going to be applying for. Um, There's always going to be the few that you may have to send in pitch samples Mm -hmm. and, you know, 
work samples. So there may be more work in that area. But um, I think the application process is pretty simple to, you know, kind of applying to college. Like you're just sending in your resume and, you know, a cover letter and hopefully you get an interview. And I would say that my number one piece of advice to anybody looking for an internship is to use your connections. All of my internships were from connections. I don't think there was a single one that I applied for and got. Um, I applied for a bunch of them, but the ones that I even turned down or, you know, got instead, you know, I chose to work in New York City instead of studying abroad, like making those sort of decisions. Um, you know, I think prepared me a lot more because I had that personal connection with them. I wasn't as scared or timid to ask questions or to mess up. So I think being able to work with people that you already know and have an established relationship with is super special. But even if you can't do that, somebody always knows somebody else. So even if your connection doesn't need help, your connection may know one or five other people that need help as well. My two internships senior year, I had been applying for probably a month and I ran into a previous professor of mine in the hallway and I said and just out of nowhere wasn't planning I said hey can I come talk to you after class for a second and she was like yeah went in there I was like hey I'm looking for an internship I don't know if you would know anybody I know you work in the fields and she was like I actually need one can you start tomorrow and I was like Okay. And then she got me my second one that I did for the rest of the year. So, you know, just using the people that, you know, even if it's a professor, like they know people in the industry that you're trying to work. So just ask them. And even if you're using those resources and those connections to perfect your pitch to the big companies that you want to work with, just use your connections as much as possible. Yeah, I'm glad you touched on that because my when you brought up connections, my question was like, what are your tips for if you don't have any? Because I feel like that can be a really kind of discouraging place to be when everyone's like, you have to know people and you're like, well, mm-hmm. what if I'm literally just starting and I don't know anyone? So I think your example of using a professor is a really good one and an encouraging one to show like it doesn't have to be that you happen to know like the big name in PR. It's like your your aunt doesn't have to be like head of Vogue or anything like that. It's just using leveraging the network that you do have and making a good impression on the people that you are surrounded by because like someone's good word and good testimony on you goes such a, such a long way. Right. <laughs> um, a question that we ask everybody is kind of like, what has your post-grad been like since you graduated and also kind of like in expectations versus reality? Like how has your plans changed? Just how have things developed in the last year and a half? Um. I would say a blur. It's been a blur. <laughs> That's the only word. Or chaos, maybe. Um, it. I don't think I, I still don't think I've gotten back to normal from pre-COVID. Um, and I think that a lot of people in our generation or year specifically graduating in 2020 have a whole different experience with post-grad life than any, any other generation will. Um, but... I think my plans have changed about a million times in the last year, just between I graduated and now I think I'm going to get a job, um, but there aren't any. So then, you know, I did some like short term uh, work for one of my prior bosses. um, And then from there, it just kind of, you know, Nothing, nothing seemed to fall into place the way it should have. Um, so I got discouraged a lot. And September, I remember specifically just being like a super low point for me. And I was like, everybody's got jobs. And I don't have a job. And I don't know what to do. And, you know, that's kind of how the agency came about was just me making my own opportunity because there weren't any. Um So I would say it's just been a blur. And then since I started the agency in January, this entire year has just been like, I I couldn't tell you what I did last Tuesday. Everything is just (laughs) constant. It's just constantly going. Um, I think I do need to be better about like 
slowing down and like being present and reflecting and not always worrying about the next thing. But post-grad life is, um, adulting sucks. That's, (laughs) that's the only way to put it. It just, you know, and especially dealing with being so close to people on a university or like on a campus specifically and having your best friend two doors down or, you know, seeing your friends in class every day because you have to, to now working from home and not seeing anybody all day and living in sweatpants because you don't have to get up and look pretty for anybody, like that kind of thing. That's been a huge transition for me um, because I was, I'm such a social person that, you know, I didn't expect that necessarily, but I think that that just comes with my journey. Um, I don't think it'll always be this way, but post-grad life has been interesting and hard, but beautiful at the same time. So, yeah, that is the common consensus among anyone I've talked to, especially anyone (laughs) I've talked to on the podcast, is that it's chaotic and somehow you end up like nowhere near where you thought you were going to be. Even if like Anya and I, and I'm sure you are too, like, are such type A planner people and we're still like, how the hell did we end up where we are right now? Like it's, it's crazy. I think we're going to get into it more a little later, but I like that you're not like painting a romanticized picture Mm -hmm. necessarily of what like the last year has looked like for you. Cause I think especially like when you're doing something that a lot of people wish that they could do and like run your own business, it's really easy to be like, Oh, everything's great. Like living my dreams, but it's important to like bring that real perspective so the whole time you were talking I was like yes love love the honesty (laughs) yeah it's been it's been hard you know um and even like things outside of my control outside of work um you know like my grandfather died during that time period and you know my all my friends moved and there's just so much loss that you deal with that you don't Mm -hmm. expect after you graduate and it can be really hard to transition from, you know, living such a specific lifestyle. And then COVID, you know, kind of set me up for it, you know, with with (laughs) lockdown and everything. But just, you know, even dealing with that in this time period, where, you know, we can all probably relate that this, that year following was also supposed to be such a transitional point in our lives. And we lost that because of COVID. So I think that that's also just a loss that we've all been trying to deal with and trying to catch up. And it's like, we kind of feel like we're a year behind in life. Yeah. I don't mean to get like super deep here, but I saw a TikTok that resonated with me that kind of reminds me of what you're saying. And it said something along the lines of like, um, someone had just gone to therapy and they said that their therapist described trauma and they said like, it's not just the bad things that happened. It's also the good things that didn't happen. I saw this. Yeah. And I feel like that's a good way to describe like the collective trauma that just like everyone went through over this last year. Like it's not just the fact that like we couldn't leave our houses and, you know, couldn't see friends. It's like the fact that we had to, there's so many things that should have happened that didn't too. So anyway. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, that TikTok took me out. (laughs) No, I can like just totally relate to that. And I think we all can just because it's no one expected this. (laughs) And I think and I think our age group got it the worst. Like I can't like even high schoolers who like missed your like, okay, you missed your senior prom. Like college is going to completely destroy your senior prom. Sorry. We missed out on our last semester, basically, of senior year of college. And it still pains me. Like, I look back and it's still like, ah. (laughs) Like, all the memories we would have had. Yep. Um, So transitioning into talking a bit more about Azure Agency and specifically starting that business in the pandemic, can you tell us a little bit about the agency? What made you want to start it? What made you want to serve small businesses specifically? Just anything you can tell us about starting it. Yeah, so um, my main angle or idea um, that sparked the creation of the Azure Agency was the fact that COVID had hit and that everything went digital. So these small businesses who haven't poured any to little, 
you know, funding into marketing or running an Instagram correctly, or even knowing how to run an Instagram correctly, other ways to reach out to market your business. Um, you know, that costs a lot of money if you're going to get it from, you know, a big, big name agency, which you can, but these small businesses in particular and ones that are product-based or e-com, um, there was a lack or, a, you know, a lack of attention to them in the market. And I had learned so much about working with big brands that I saw an opportunity that these businesses could use the same exact strategies and the same exact tactics on a lower budget. Um, and now that we've seen, you know, this up, uprise in like micro influencers and these smaller creators that was even further of a reason and you know a tactic for these small businesses to use to leverage their business so I've just created and you know in the last year a lot of testing and seeing what works and seeing what doesn't and I've worked with a lot of different industries so you know everything needs to be market marketed differently because there's a different consumer um, so my main idea was just to help these businesses kind of through the pandemic, but on the flip side, these businesses were struggling the most from the pandemic. So I think that a huge pain point during that process for me, it's gotten better as the year gone has gone on and COVID has slowly disappeared. Um, but you know, they didn't always have the funding at the beginning to even pay the little bit, um, to get them started. So. It's been a process for sure, just, you know, gaining clients trust and showing them and educating them on this is why you need this. Like this is an investment. And although you have this little bit of money, spend it on the digital marketing because everyone's on their phones right now and they can't get off of them. Yeah. I was going to say what you said about like the whole world being digital is so true. And like, I even think about, you know, like grandparents and stuff like that, people that in the past would like never be bothered to shop online or do any sort of e-commerce like well they're vulnerable they can't necessarily go to a store and mm -hmm. pick up what they would normally get at like Kohl's or whatever and so even those people are starting to realize like the value of shopping online and seeing the ads and everything so I think it really is so true and just like real quick I feel like it would help me and probably our listeners too just like with grounding your experience of like what can you give some like examples of like types of businesses that you work with or it doesn't have to be specific, but like industries, I guess. Yeah. So I work with a lot of podcasts for one, which is interesting because it's not an e-com <laughs> business, but yeah. So um, I do work with podcasts and then other than that, I work with um, a lot of like a jewelry brand. Mm. Um, I've worked with a bikini brand. I've worked with a vitamin brand. Oh, awesome. um, it's Big basically range. just, yeah, I, that's where it was. I've in the last month or so, um, I'm starting to niche down a little bit into female founders, female brands. Um, mm. I want to get back into the space where I was when I was in New York. Um, just making sure that, it, you know, it's all female driven. The audience mm -hmm. is always females. Um, so that's the space I want to be in. Mm -hmm. um, I'm tired of living in a man's world. So, <laughs> Well, we've had a lot of awesome female founders on our show. So definitely go check out our previous guests. I will, um, for sure. For sure. Um, and you kind of mentioned this earlier, like with um, some of the clients not necessarily having the, the funding to take on your services initially. But I'm curious if there were any other learning curves you've experienced thinking about just, you know, starting your own agency, um, if there were like any challenges that you want to share. Everything business side of things, like the back end of things, it was all new to me. I had no idea what I was doing when I started a business. I, I when I started it, the night I launched it, I stayed up till 7 a.m., I was just lying in bed one night and I was like, I'm, I'm going to do it. And I did all the paperwork. I registered. I got my EIN. I did everything. But the whole night I was just Googling, mm -hmm. what do I need? Like, what do I need right now to like do this? And, um, you know, my boyfriend's brother has his own business and I called him and I was like, what do I need state taxes? Like what taxes do I need to pay? Do I like who, do, when do I pay them? How do I pay mm. them? 
So like all the back end stuff, um, you know, the permits and the the website stuff, all the digital side of things, I kind of had to hang on, but anything else like financial, keeping the books, all that stuff, I had no idea. I was, and I'm still learning. Like I, I still don't have it all figured out. Don't get me wrong. I think I'll always be learning about things I did wrong. I think, you know, years from now, I'm probably going to be like, I wasn't supposed to do that. <laughs> but, um, you know, like I said, I didn't go to school for business. So as far as learning curve, I know so much more than I did a year ago, as far as how a business is run and, you know, legally what you need to start one. Um, even just like the naming process, like naming your business. I, it took me so long to understand. Like, I was like, wait, so if I, if I claim the name here, why can someone in California have it too? Like Mm. just understanding everything it was. And I'm the type of person that I have to understand something in full before I do it. And so I just had to make sure I had everything clear. And then I would get really stressed out when I would realize I didn't have something figured out. And I'm like, who, who do I call Google? Google's not always like the easiest source (laughs) to go to. (laughs) For sure. For sure. Um, And you kind of touched on this a little bit earlier, but do you think you faced any unique challenges growing your business because of the pandemic? Um, I don't think I've, necessarily saw any challenges I think I think COVID was a blessing um in me starting the agency and like I said as time went on I those small businesses now had the money you know and they now had the funding to to invest into that and they now saw that this is something they need to invest to because it's been four months later and we're still all online. And I don't think that's going to change. I really think that everything's slowly going to go digital. There are so many businesses that got rid of their offices because they realized Mm -hmm. we can do this from home. So like, why are we going to pay rent and, you know, pay this office space? There are so many people who are just working from home now full time. And that gives a lot more time for you to be on your phone and be doing things as you please shopping online. I can't tell you the last time I went and shopped in a store. Mm-hmm. So I think even like when I need to try my stuff, like try stuff on, I order more than I need and then I send it back because I don't want to go in a store. Yeah, totally. So, Shifted everyone's reality. Like exactly. So I think that, you know, they just kind of, I think everything that COVID brought ended up being an advantage in the end. Although it sh- like may have felt hard or like felt like a disadvantage in the beginning where there was a lack of clientele or, you know, a lack of connections and networking and me being able to go meet with somebody, it all ended up paying off in the end. Yeah. And I sort of feel similarly about the podcast too. Like, I feel like Kylie and I probably wouldn't have started this if not for COVID. Like, yeah, we wouldn't have had the time or the desire necessarily. And it's been like such a cool thing. We get to meet so many cool people. And so um, definitely some blessings in disguise. Um, But I'm always curious to ask like the entrepreneurs that we have on our show, if you have any big goals for the next few years when it comes to running your business or like the next five years, 10 years, like if you could kind of shoot for the stars, where would you want to land with the agency? Um, Solely work with female founders. I want 20 to 30 people full time. This is long term, obviously. <laughs> um, this is, uh, you know, t- this is more ten year plan. But you know, office. I want like a small boutique agency. I don't want anything big. Um, you know, working with brands that I love. I want to have at that point, hopefully, niche down super specifically. Um, maybe not having you know like podcasts and e-commerce hopefully Mm -hmm. picking a side or you know maybe making a niche for myself and being able to incorporate all the type of brands that I like to work with um and then I would also love to get back into planning and hosting events that was such a huge part of my internship in New York and it was one of my favorite parts of my internship so I think as things start to progress a little more nationally not just like state by state um that's something I want to dive into again but I've been 
a little hesitant to just because of the the restrictions that are still in place in certain areas. Sure. Yeah, that makes sense. So then switching into kind of like we talked about before, you're not afraid to be honest. Um, I know you value, you know, authenticity in running a business and showing all different sides of being an entrepreneur and starting your own business. So I'm curious what your favorite part about running your own agency has been and what your least favorite part has been. My favorite part has been my ability to control my work and control my hours specifically. Um, I'm a huge night person. I'm so creative at night. I like working late. I I will work till midnight and that's my prime time. And if I was in a nine to five situation, I'd be miserably getting up at 6am to go work at a job, you know, just having the flexibility that I want. If I want to go work out in the middle of the day, I can go work out in the middle of the day. Um, so having my own hours and just being able to control my work and knowing that everything I'm giving somebody is all me and, you know, being proud of that and having control over that. But on the flip side, there's also a lack of stability in, you know, me having to provide my own benefits, me having to, basically I'm in charge of making my money. Like if I don't make my money, I'm not, there's nobody that's gonna, you know, just give me a salary. So there's a lot of pressure that comes with that. And it's something I've definitely been learning to deal with better and kind of just like putting my trust in myself and my confidence and in the universe that everything's going to work out the way it should. And even if it doesn't work out, then that was what was meant to happen. So, um, but I have this tendency to like, I've always, I always need stability. So this is kind of a, a learning curve for me in that sense as well. And just, letting loose and letting go all these fears and insecurities of, you know, imposter syndrome and feeling like I'm not good enough and knowing that my work's going to pay off and I'm going to be fine. And, you know, if I need the money, I'm going to make the money. So. Totally. Yeah. And I think uh, what you said about like having to figure out your own benefits and everything, like those are the little things that I feel like are not talked about when it comes to being an entrepreneur and like running your own business. Like really only people, you know, they see the outside of it. They see the making your own hours, going to the gym in the middle of the day, which are amazing and great perks, but they don't necessarily see like having to research your own third party health insurance and like how much that sucks. And like (laughs) all those like back end logistics, like you were talking about earlier. Um, And I know like authenticity is a big part of your brand and what you want to bring as an entrepreneur. So I was curious if you could talk about like what that really means to you in running a business, in being in PR specifically, maybe. So I think authenticity uh, is something that has come more to light in the last year that like influencers who are more authentic have, you know, a more engaged audience and that being authentic is, you know, the way to go. Um, But a lot of people struggle with what that means. And I, I perceive it as just being transparent. And as a brand, it's a little hard because you're an entity, you're not a person, essentially, unless you have a face of a brand, then it's a little different. But um, being authentic as a brand is sharing your story, sharing your struggles, aligning with your values and your you know, brand identity and not swaying because of opinion and just owning it. But in order to do that, you have to have that defined before you start. So that's something I like to help my clients with is making sure that their brand identity is set in stone. This is what you want. It's okay to change down the line. I'm not saying you can't change your brand identity or your values, but just sticking to that and always being open about what is going on behind the scenes because that is what a customer is going to connect with the most. Yeah. And I'm curious, you kind of started to um, allude to this, but how do you ensure that you remain authentic in your mission of helping small businesses and just as the agency starts to grow? So my main thing is always checking in and being very communicative with my clients. So I have weekly check-ins with them. Um, like open communication all the time. I'm texting some of my clients, you know, this might not 
be awesome. But some of my clients will text me at 9 p.m. and I'm and I answer because that's the kind of relationship I have with them. Um, I try to be friends with my clients and have them know that if you are unhappy with anything that I'm doing or you want to change something, that there is that open communication and that we both know what's going on on both ends. A lot of my clients, like we share what's going on in our personal lives and we're very authentic in that sense. And I know a lot of people that's like a very relaxed approach to a lot of agency client relations. But I think that that's what makes my clients trust me so much is that we have that kind of relationship and that we are so authentic with each other. So it's only right that you're that authentic with your customers as well. Yeah, totally. And I totally agree with what you were saying about just like the change that we've seen in online personalities and everything this past year and kind of this whole like produced perfect image is really kind of out and sharing like your real raw honest thoughts is in and I love that change so it's awesome that you're part of that movement uh, especially like when representing other brands and like encouraging them to think about that too um and so I'm curious like if you think about when you first started like maybe it's like last December, what's something you wish you knew before starting? And also like, how did you do, I guess, all the necessary learning? Like, obviously I know that a lot of what you're doing was your major in school and you had the internships, but did you have to do any like, I don't know, like Skillshare? Like, how did you learn everything that went into running uh, the marketing for these small businesses? Um, A lot of it was stuff I learned in school and a lot of it was what I learned just from my personal experiences with social media and how my brain worked as a consumer and leveraging that I have a very aesthetic mind. Um, I think I am very attuned to branding and how it's presented. Um, so I didn't have to necessarily teach myself anything on the social media marketing that end just because it changes every day. So even if I was to sit down six months ago and have researched and spent all that time, a week from then, everything's going to be different. So I think I also learned that though. Like, you know, sometimes TikTok is the best resource for that sort of Mm -hmm. thing. And just (laughs) going on, you know, those kind of resources and researching in that sense and seeing what other people's experiences have been what they want to see you'll be surprised how many people will review brands and just off their branding on on tiktok so you're looking at you know there's market research involved that you have to do all the time that's not just oh right before you start an agency no market research is a daily thing and that's Mm -hmm. that's what you're constantly learning and soaking in but i wouldn't say that there was necessarily anything I did out of my way outside of what I had learned in college to prepare me for, you know, the, the work I was doing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The things you can learn on TikTok, man. I feel like I got a whole second <laughs> education on TikTok. <laughs> TikTok university. I mean, it's taught me some yeah. recipes. I'll, I just go to TikTok. I'm like, I need a recipe to show me how to make it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, so I'm curious if you could give one, a uh, piece of advice to anyone looking to start their own business, what would it be? Start now. Don't wait. Don't wait for the opportunity to come to you. Um, I think a lot of people have really great ideas and they're scared to do it, but there's a market for almost anything. Um, and so you just have to start now. Don't wait for the opportunity to come to you and make your own opportunities out of your situation. I think the best thing I ever did was making my own job for myself when there wasn't any. So just do do what you want. And if you fail, then you start over and there's nothing wrong with that at all. So there's nothing wrong with failing. Find beauty in failure. Um, that's my That's my tip. It's so funny because I feel like that advice 
comes up in every single episode that we do with someone that's Mm -hmm. entrepreneurial. And I feel like our listeners are probably thinking we're like feeding this response to people behind the scenes. (laughs) No, it's so true. Yeah. It's such a, the fact that it's so common, like really represents how true it really is. So um, we love that advice. And a question that we always ask toward the end of the kind of interview portion, and I know it's a hard one, but if our listeners could only take away one thing from listening to this episode with you today, what would you want that to be? There's beauty in the process. Don't rush anything. And I'm a true believer that everything happens for a reason. So even your downfalls are teaching you something for to propel you further in the future. So just try not to worry so much about where you are and comparing yourself to what your friends are doing and what other people in your situation are doing. You, Everybody has their own path. Nobody's on a specific timeline for life. Um, just find beauty in the process. Oh, Mic drop. that. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and then our very last question for you is where can our listeners find you and find the Azure agency? So you can find me on Instagram at Kennedy Meehan. Um, you can find the Azure agency on Instagram at the Azure agency. And then our website is the Azure So go give us a follow. Yes. And yes. we'll have all that in the description of the episode. So it's super easy for you guys. And um, we always end out our guest episodes with a little game. So we're going to play this or that. So we have five very high stakes, very critical (laughs) questions for you. And the first one is crunchy peanut butter or smooth peanut butter? Depends what you're eating it with. On a sandwich? Yeah. On a sandwich, I go go smooth. But if I'm having it on like a – uh, apple or like fruit it's crunchy mm. I, I appreciate that. that take yeah I think that's fair I yeah. was also crossing my fingers that you like liked peanut butter and weren't like allergic oh no <laughs> so I I'm glad that <laughs> fun <laughs> fact all of my ex-boyfriends were allergic to peanut butter all of them red flag all of them oh my god and so I promised myself after the last one I will never date anybody who is allergic to peanut butter again and it's done me so well so far. <laughs> I'm like, no offense if you're allergic to peanut butter, but we no, can't talk. No, I would literally ask guys that like off rip. Are you allergic to peanut butter? Yeah. All right. I'm so sorry, but I can't do this. <laughs> oh my God. I love it. Um, the next one is live with roommates or live alone. Mm, I think live with roommates. Even if you, even if that roommate's like your significant other, I don't like the whole living alone. I would, I'd be really lonely all the time and yeah. creeped out. It's not safe think- anymore. <laughs> that makes sense given that you are extroverted, um, like you yeah. said earlier. Um, the next one is guac or salsa? Guac all day, every day. Correct answer. Nice. <laughs> you passed. <laughs> the next one is TV shows or movies? TV shows for sure I'm the same way I need more you can't just give me it all in an hour and a half I need so much more than that I think it's for me it's like it's hard to get invested because like I know it's only gonna last like 90 minutes so I'm like what's the point but a good movie a good movie though I can watch a million times I can't re-watch TV shows Mm. I think I've I've re-watched Grey's Anatomy and that's it Correct. Yes. <laughs> um, oh, is that your favorite? Do you have a favorite TV show? Uh, Grace is up there for sure. Mm-hmm. I love Shameless. Um, yes. Shameless is great. There's so many. I've watched so many shows. I couldn't even. I couldn't. <laughs> but Grace, Grace is like up there. Snowfall is really good. If you haven't oh, watched that. I, I think that it's one. on. I think it's on Hulu. But I know it's on like live TV as well. So okay. Watch, okay. watch that for sure. The real question is, do you still watch Grey's now? Like live? Yes. Absolutely. Oh, absolutely. Unpopular opinion, I feel like. I will never stop. I just wow. got my mom to start. Like she, she A journey. Would, <laughs> she would hate she would hate on me like for years. Like she was with me when 
Derek died. But when it happened, she was like, what is wrong with you? And I was like, I'm a wreck. Like, I'm, I'm not okay. <laughs> I feel like it's called yeah. Heartbreak Mom. You heard of it? <laughs> no. no and, and now she's watching it. And I'm like, just wait. Just wait. Just wait. Gonna, It'll wreck you. Feel it. <laughs> Yeah, no, I think for a lot of people, that was the final straw for like for me and Shonda, I couldn't trust her anymore. So I think that was the point where I was like, this is I can't my heart can't take anymore. So I stopped. But I know that they did like a COVID. They've done like oh, COVID storylines. It's right? definitely like, not mm, as good soon. now. Mm-hmm. It's definitely not as good now because everyone's dead. <laughs> but like everyone dies. Like that was my mom's main issue with the show was. Like, th- this many bad things doesn't happen at once. It doesn't mm. happen. It was just wasn't unless realistic enough, <laughs> unless you're them. But, yeah. no, it's definitely, like, a little cheesy now, like, with the COVID and the... Yeah, because I feel like it could go either way. Like, on one hand, I'm like, I get that shows are trying to, like, incorporate the real world and not just, like, be, I guess, like, ignorant to what's going on. But on the other hand, I'm like, people want to watch, like, an escape from their reality. They don't want, just, like, want to see more of, like all the shit yeah. that's going on. I always so I said, I always said while we were in lockdown, I was like, it's weird to see people on TV without, without masks, masks on. Yeah. yeah. I'm like, you're so close to them. Back up. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. The last this or that question, free travel for one year or free housing for five years? Free housing for five years. Because I feel like when I was, yeah. because You'd I, make I up, up for question. it. Exactly. The- you could save. And then you travel. No. Yeah. Free housing yeah. for five years. Do you know how much money you'd save? That's true. So much. You could probably so travel for more than a year. For You could retire, yeah. probably. Like, <laughs> you could save so rate. much money. <laughs> All right. That is everything we have for this episode. So I just want to say thank you so much to Kennedy for coming on the show today. It was so fun chatting with you. And I know that... Our listeners are really going to benefit from all the valuable perspectives that you brought. So thanks so much. Thank you guys so much for having me on. I absolutely love this. Yay. Well, we will have all of Kennedy's links and everything about the Azure agency in the description. And then as for us, you can find us on Instagram at two degrees hotter. Um, We have our anonymous suggestion box in the show notes as well. So go ahead and leave us a suggestion. If you have one, go rate us five stars on Apple Podcasts. It really helps us out. I think that's all of the housekeeping items for us. (laughs) Every time I'm like, oh, I know. (laughs) Check, check, check. Um, And we will chat with you guys next Tuesday. Thanks again, Kennedy. You're welcome. Bye, guys.